0: Hello, friends. It's Anne West, Executive Director of the Island Health and Wellness Foundation, and we are back with another episode of the Just for the Health of It podcast. The following is a conversation that I had with Linda Nelson. Linda is the Economic and Community Development Director for the Town of Stonington. Today's discussion is going to focus on a newly formed healthcare task force that the Stonington Economic Development Committee, and sometimes you're gonna hear us refer to that as the SEDC, so we love our acronyms, um, has organized as a way for the town to support healthcare needs on the island. As usual, nothing we say today is intended to serve as any sort of medical or healthcare advice. It's just for educational purposes. And anyone that knows Linda knows that we'll probably have some fun along the way. So. Full disclosure, Linda and I have talked about dogs for the last 10 minutes, and um, we may go back there during our discussion. But with that, welcome, Linda. And can you tell my listeners um, who might not know you a little bit more about yourself and your backgrounds?
1: Hi, Anne. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it and appreciate your work.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I um, am probably best known in the DRL Stonington community as one of the co-founders of Opera House Arts at the Stonington Opera House. Um, we founded the nonprofit to restore the historic theater. We founded that in 1998 and incorporated it in 1999 and are really proud that it is still going, that we made a sustainable handoff when we decided we had been there long enough as founders and that that is still going. But um What probably a lot of people don't know is my entrepreneurial past before that. So essentially I'm an artist and an entrepreneur um, and I've done a bunch of startups Prior to the Opera House, um, I started up the New Media Business Division for the Village Voice newspaper in New York City, and I was with them for 13 years before coming up here. And prior to that, I was a co-founder of a women's resource center at Bowdoin College, and that too is existing to this day, which is really exciting and serving its purpose. Um, And most recently, I'm a co-founder of the Cultural Alliance of Maine, which is a statewide advocacy network for the cultural sector. So essentially, I've been a, a business person and an artist and um, kind of very entrepreneurial and involved with a lot of startups and happy to see things that still keep going to improve our communities.
0: Well, I just have to say, we are so lucky to have your skills here in Dear Al- on Dear Al Stonington because it is. you are not only have this unique knowledge of the community because of how immersed in it you've been over the years, but you also bring all this other experience too. So tell my listeners what being uh, the economic and community development director involves.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of folks don't know because most of our small towns don't have the capacity to do that. And I give a lot of credit to the Stonington Selectmen and to Kathleen Billings for budgeting for economic development for many years now. Um, I am not the first person in this position. Uh, Henry Tevereau actually preceded me and did a fantastic job. Um, And before him, I think there was somebody as well whose name I'm just not remembering right now. Um, And we've had an economic development committee in Stonington since 2004. And I've been involved with that committee since its very beginning, um, because always at Opera House Arts, we knew how how much we were a foundation to the Main Street economy and to the town's economy. So we put a lot of effort into collaborations with the town. and what it means to be the economic and community development director is that I get to spend my time working with Kathleen Billings as town manager and the Stonington Selectman and the Stonington team in the town office to um, do whatever we can to strengthen our community essentially. Um, and a lot of times, and that can be a range of things. It can involve gathering people um, in meetings and, and trying to bring people together and to create conversations. It can involve doing research. We just began an economic impact analysis for the town of Stonington. Um, it can involve a lot of writing in terms of grants to bring money into the town. But basically, it's about business development, which is I think where my entrepreneurial background really helps, because we try to create opportunities um, where the island needs them, so that uh, so that businesses can thrive and so that the year-round economy can thrive. Uh, so you know, some days you'll see me walking up and down Main Street and talking to business owners. Um, Some days I'm on the phone, some days I'm on Zoom. And a lot of days I'm at my computer drafting, whether it's a news article or a letter to a state representative or a grant report or a grant application could be any number of things.
0: Excellent. And I just have to say everything in the towns are so interrelated. So I have found so much value in your position and also in dealing with um, your predecessors because part of our job in terms of health and wellness is helping to recruit providers to the island, which is a challenge in absolutely any environment. But in the last 30 to 40 years, it's changed too because when you're recruiting a provider, you're not just recruiting that one person. You're also recruiting their spouse and you're trying to make sure that the spouse is employed. And it really does require a dynamic community and access to things like really good internet in case the spouse wants to work from home, that sort of thing. And it's, it's invaluable to me to have people like you who are working on these projects because I just wouldn't have the bandwidth to take on even a 10th of that. I have a hard time most days getting back to my own emails. Um, So it's just wonderful to have someone at your level being that visionary um, who helps bring those services and then makes our job of making sure there's providers and making sure that when somebody wants to see a doctor, there's someone to see them. It's all just so interconnected and it's fascinating. But thank you for what you do, even though I know probably no two days are the same. Um, So let's talk specifically right now about the healthcare task force. Where did that idea come from?
1: You actually just talked about it a little bit. Um
0: All right. <laughs> we,
1: we, we um recognize in the Economic Development Committee that uh the, the range of needs is very broad um in terms of economic development and how to support our other nonprofits, our other businesses. So we don't obviously have the capacity to do everything. Um, And one of the things obviously that the closure of the nursing home really brought home for most of us is that our healthcare, access to our healthcare is very threatened. Um, And I think it took us a few months to figure out like what as a municipality, what could our response be to that? Um, and recognizing that the more that we collaborate and work together, again, especially as a municipality, right, as a town looking out for its citizens, um, you know, where can we be of best effect and how can we do the best we can? So the SEDC has in the past um, created task forces to limited time deal with particular issues. We actually just finished one up on the short-term rentals issue and made um, you know, proposals to the Snowington Selectman. So that was a great task force. Really want to thank everybody that was involved with that because housing, of course, is another one of the health issues um, that we're all dealing with, whether it's in terms of staffing or just in terms of the right kind of access for for our year-round residents. So the healthcare task force is really all about um Trying to figure out, trying to learn what we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know, and and that's been especially true over the last months because the flow of information has been kind of mm, inadequate, I guess, is what you might say in terms of what we actually know and don't know. Um, so, you know, we want to explore ways that we sustain access to needed health services um, for our rural community. And that's really for all stages and facets of our community. We've noticed there's an especially a big need around our elders. And of course we're more aware of that than ever with the the closure of the nursing home. Um, So, you know, our goal is to, as I said, learn. So we're doing research and really trying to look at other models for um, how to provide access to needed services, looking towards doing a needs assessment, which Again, it's not necessarily the municipality's job to do this and anything we do like this should be done in collaboration with the other nonprofits that are working on these issues. So definitely Island Health and Wellness Foundation is a big one there. Um, and and the nursing home, uh, we've been doing our best to coordinate and communicate with them. Um, and And then, as you said, you know, Especially those of you who are bringing in healthcare providers, right? How do we collaborate with you on recruitment, retention, education, and training? You know, and, and it's not it's not just for CNAs, you know, and it's not just for doctors. It's also for veterinarians. You know, we're gonna we're about to see our our vet satellite office here close again because they just lost a veterinarian up in Blue Hill at Main Coast. Um, veterinarian services. So we won't have access here on Deer Isle to that. We'll have to traipse up to Blue Hill for that as well now. Um, you know, and so, and as you said, that that kind of creating that environment, how we help retain those people has to do with housing. It has to do with broadband. It has to do with, is there a restaurant open all year? Is there a movie theater? It has to do with a lot more than just like, is there a job? You know, so so I think that um, I hope that when people look at what Stonington is doing, what they see is a municipality that's being proactive and that is trying to be aware of its role within the larger ecosystem of um, private businesses and nonprofits and is trying to play a supportive role in whatever way it can. And, and that's where we need to do a lot of learning, you know, is we have to find out what is the where is our biggest area of impact? How can we help the most? Um, and one of the ways we know we can, because we are a municipality, is we can work politically. So we do know already that we need to broaden Maine's investment in support of rural healthcare. I mean, clearly, the way rural healthcare is going is not beneficial to any of us. And um, and that way, you know. So how do we address the crippling reimbursement issue, right? How do we out, how do we address the outdated staffing requirements for institutions like nursing homes? or even for if we do smaller things like small pod based things? You know, these are all state regulations and state policies. And municipalities through the main municipal association and through our legislative access, can be can be hopefully supportive and active and proactive there, um, working alongside you. And working alongside other institutions. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have to. I, I really think about this a lot. You know, I just turned sixty-one um, this month, and um, you know, when you turn when you hit your sixties, you start to really think about healthcare in a different way, and you start to think about what is the future of that, and what was it like for my parents, and what was it like for other people's parents, and you know, we've always known that living here on the island creates a distance, right? And a a little bit of isolation, and that's a choice we all kind of happily make. And I think what's really um, difficult is when you see the access that exists disappearing, right? Exactly. That's, That's the really difficult thing is that when access that has existed historically to certain services, important services, like skilled nursing care being one of those, right? When that disappears, that's a real blow. And how do we as municipalities, both Deer Island, Stonington, how do we work to you know, overturn that blow? How do we work to reverse it? How do we work to fill the gap that that's caused? Those are the kinds of questions we're asking.
0: No, and I think those are so important. And those are some of the hardest emotional conversations that I've had with people since the nursing home closed is when they say to me, but that was my long-term care plan. Like that was what I had in place to take care of me. Um, So it just, it really does become a larger community issue with a a million different facets. Um, Who actually serves on the committee?
1: We're actually still putting it together. We've had two meetings, um, and as with any of our task force, we we find people and find the people that are interested and willing and have the time to serve, and the people, of course, with some degree of expertise, but because we're a task force um, under the Economic Development Committee, you know, it's really important, one of the things we think is always really important is to give citizens who want to be engaged with an issue, a chance and a voice um, and a way to use their volunteer spirit. And there's there's been a lot of volunteers for this particular task force. Um, and so we, we're supplementing the people that are volunteering, all of whom bring various degrees of expertise, whether it's legal or business, um, with people from the healthcare industry that are you know recently retired or that are working in it right now and, um, and just figuring out how to make a group that can achieve those goals. I just talked about, you know, learn what we need to learn, do the outreach we need to be able to do, do the collaborations we need to do, do the advocacy we need to do, and to support any alternatives that we identify.
0: And I do, I, full disclosure, I am on the task force. Um, I have attended uh, one meeting so far and I am very impressed by the people that you've gathered. Um, it it is a great cross-section of the community. And I do, I agree with you that everybody brings this particular piece of knowledge or expertise. Um, but I'm glad that you're still looking for extra people too. So that that's great that you're always open to adding more, more worth more bodies who bring more knowledge and experience to the group. Now, what are the goals of the committee? Like, when will you know that your work is done? Uh,
1: well, I, I think that, you know, they're not quite as um, confined as the short-term rentals committee in which we knew we were going to work for a very short period of time and come up with proposals to give to the selectmen. Um, this is probably going to be a, a little bit more long-term um, because we have a bunch of learning to do and because we're having difficulty getting some of that information. I mean... For example, if we're working on, you know, we know, we know without doing a needs assessment, we already know that skilled nursing is a gap, right, with the nursing home closed. So if our goal is to make sure that local residents maintain some kind of degree of access to skilled nursing, we're going to have to, you know, really do more research and create more outreach. So um and and create some you know entrepreneurial ideas and alternatives to that. So Healthy Island Project, Renee, Coulson is also on the task force with you, and um, I don't think you two have crossed in a meeting yet. But, no, um, I haven't. No. <laughs> but 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 because Healthy Island is is doing a lot of work around the around this issue, right, in terms of um, making you know uh, ending socialization social isolation for seniors and food security. These are all related issues. Um, so, how we put this all together—it's like a puzzle, right? And I think we'll know our work is done when people are feeling good about what their access to the options are, you know, and feeling good about things again. I mean, you know, task forces and and public meetings—they also give us a chance to grieve, and they give us a chance to express anger. And they give us a chance to build community will for things. And these are all things that need to happen when big changes happen. Um, you know, there is a lot of all of those feelings right now on the island around changes to the fishing industry, around changes to access to our health care. And so we're doing our best to kind of bring people together and create those conversations and those opportunities for, you know, for healing and for for seeing for seeing where is the opportunity in the upheaval, you know?
0: Absolutely. And we have a great history of coming together as a community and doing things that other people, even experts, said were impossible. Um, I don't believe there is any business plan in the world that would have supported the building of Island Medical Center or Island Nursing Home as it stood when they each were built. Um, those were done primarily from what everything I've read in the history books, because this community was dedicated to making it happen. And that community action, the willingness to come together and achieve the goal, that's why we're where we are right now. And 50 some odd years later, that's why Island Medical Center is still standing and why I have an organization to lead. It's entirely based on community action. And so we can do it because we've done it before. And that's what I keep going back to is that we, we've we proven ourselves. This is not the first go-round for, for doing the impossible.
1: I totally love that you said that, Anne, um, because that is actually, I mean, that's the biggest thing I think is that, you know, it can become overwhelming when people are like, yeah, well, you know, labor shortages everywhere. You know, there are just no healthcare workers anywhere. And, you know, you just can't do this or this feasibility study won't do this. I mean, I feel the same way about the opera house. If we had ever done a feasibility study about restoring that falling down building and saying it's going to be year round and it's going to serve the year round community. Everybody was like, are you nuts? Right? Exactly. (laughs) It makes
0: no sense on paper. I yes.
1: And uh, the same with the nursing home and this community fights really hard for things that it it wants. And I think right now it's trying to find a way to fight to create what it needs. And, you know, that hashtag, it's a famous hashtag now, right? We can do hard things. Yeah, I think it was made for the island, really. I mean, I know that it was started elsewhere, but I really feel like it is very apt for the island and that we cannot go by national norms, and we can't let those discourage us because we can do something different here. We have done it in the past.
0: And I think that's why even, uh, I mean, I don't know about your organizations that you've led, but with my organizations, we even have to be very selective when we're calling in people to do like strategic planning or um, capital campaigns for us, things like that, um, that they do have some sort of local knowledge and appreciation because it's different here. It's not, you can't call in a consultant from Chicago and expect them to understand what this island is capable of doing and supporting when they want something um, or when they know something is needed. And I, I mean, I know fundraising wise, the island has always exceeded my expectations. Um, if we've asked for it on behalf of Island Medical Center, it's happened and it's happened in record time. Um, and that's financial. And I get that, that, you know, obviously there's some issues that no matter how big the check is, it's not going to solve the the issue. But it's that I know that those people that write the checks and those people that offer to help in all of these ways, they also have great ideas and creative solutions. And they're willing to roll up their sleeves and work for it. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing is where we're headed from here. Um, because we're- Absolutely. You know, we've we've come through some pretty tough times and that's emotionally tough. I mean, this past year and a half has been hard on this island uh, for a variety of different reasons and certainly not the smallest one being the closure of the nursing home. But I do think things like this task force, they give me hope because they mean that we're moving forward and we're figuring out, okay, this is what we were handed. Now, what are we gonna do with it? And I think that's pretty exciting. Um, So going back to the discussion on the committee, I'll get off my soapbox about how much this island can do, but it's one of my my absolute passions is that we work in a place where miracles happen. Um, What are your immediate priorities for this group? So what are you looking to do maybe in the short term? Uh,
1: Well, we, as I said, we have a lot to learn, right? And it's been difficult to kind of... um, get all the information we need from the usual sources, right? Because one of our big concerns is about elder care and skilled nursing care, since that's a big gap that's been created now. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out how many licenses do we have for skilled nursing beds? It's been very unclear. Um, And, uh, and we're still looking to do a needs assessment. Um, And we really think that that should be done in collaboration, you know, with you guys and with, if the nursing home board is still operating as a nursing home board, it should be in conjunction with them. It should be in, co- in conjunction with Healthy Island Project and with everybody that's working on these, on access to healthcare issues for people. Um, but it's, it's very important. We haven't really done one. We're not, you know, we all anecdotally and maybe Healthy Island Project almost more than anyone, but you guys too, we know anecdotally where the need is, but we don't have it like as a picture and we don't have it like as data. And, you know, it is one of the things that makes economies run is data. So when you do economic development, you want to have those analyses. You want to have those reports. You want to be able to say, look, it's not just that we know your neighbor or my neighbor or, you know, how many dinners actually Healthy Island is providing. That's actually a piece of data, right? That's a data point. Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, this number of people are this age now. And we can expect them to need a different level of service within the next 10 years. You know, or these are the services people say they need. These are the people, the services people say they don't need. You know, these are the services people want in their homes. These are the people, the services people don't want in their homes, you know, or can't afford in their homes or can't make happen in their homes. Oh, how can we make that happen in their homes, you know, if we need to. And then once they're, we're providing care in their homes, how do we end the social isolation piece of that? So um, those are the immediate priorities. Yes.
0: <laughs> to no, do that's it. great. <laughs> that's, that's all <laughs> yeah. a lot of work. That's, we're going to do a
1: needs work. assessment somehow we're going to you know you know approach you guys and approach other groups and to do a kind a needs assessment and and we're also looking out there we've already begun the research on this we are um we're doing a labor survey um as you know that uh, last week's meeting for the healthcare task force invited healthcare workers to join us and it was a fantastic group um you were there for part of it
0: it was really, really good
1: was so moving. It was really, really moving. And, you know, we learned a lot from it, right? I mean, you learn a lot about what are the issues that cause labor shortages. They don't just happen. And it's not always just about numbers. A lot of times it is about the numbers of money, for sure. Right, right. But if it's a money issue, you know, if it's a compensation issue,
0: how do we solve that? Exactly. How do we solve that issue? I think what I was so impressed with last week was the willingness of people to share their stories and and I don't think that can be understated because people in our positions can build endless programs but if they're not what the end user wants and needs and their voice isn't part of not part of it but integral to that building process we're going to end up with a program that might work for us but may not work for the majority of people who actually need it. And I just, I really appreciated everyone that attended that meeting and their willingness to just share their stories. And it was eye-opening to me because I learned so much that I didn't think about, about, well, let me tell you how hard it is to have this particular job when I don't have the right level of licensure above me to provide support. And I mean, just the stories were incredible and they really to me it painted one of the clearest pictures that i've gotten so far of maybe why things didn't work out like they should have at the nursing home or or things if we were to do something different in the future things that we would definitely have to take into consideration
1: yeah thank you for that i'm glad that you you picked up on some of that i mean um you know i'm i'm happy that we were able to provide an a an atmosphere of trust that we were able to provide a safe place for people because it is really hard to talk about these things. Um, uh, you know, we had 24 people there. Um, 15 of them were healthcare workers, um, including myself because I'm a CNA. Yeah. I got a CNA license this winter. And so I start to have some firsthand, you know, knowledge of and appreciation for the work and for what is needed. And, um, you know, whenever you talk about labor issues, you, you can't just talk about availability. I mean, I know this. I, I've run um, $5 million organizations and companies and had 40-something-plus employees. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, it almost always comes back to how people are treated. And, um, you know, we have to think about that. You know, what are they, what what is compensation like? What is the environment that we create for them? What is housing like, you know, what are all these things? But it's never a single issue. And, and that's, and that's, and that's why it's complicated. You know, that's why it's really complex. Like, how do you create a really welcoming, vibrant environment in which people thrive when you have like almost a hundred employees, right? You know, I mean, and, and that's why, you know, so from an economic development perspective, the loss of the nursing home hits us in two different directions, It hits us from the access to the skilled nursing care and it hits us from the direction of that was almost 100 jobs at its peak. Right. Right. So, So how does that support our year round economy? You know, so, you know, as with now, as with the fisheries, as we investigate and try to figure out how we can interact with these regulatory changes and help support our fisheries in transition, you know, people are saying to us. As we do this economic impact analysis, you know, there's not enough year-round jobs on this island already. You know, I know people right. feel a labor shortage and, you know, if those fishing jobs go, if a percentage of those fishing jobs go and we lost a hundred jobs here at the nursing home and we lose some jobs at the boatyard, there's not enough work to sustain families year-round, to sustain the schools, right? Right. <laughs> to sustain the health care. And then it becomes that cycle, right? Not enough jobs to sustain the schools, to sustain the healthcare, and you know it's it's a cycle. And ha- where we where we have interventions in that cycle, that's really something for us to figure out together.
0: Absolutely, and it is it's a community conversation because it is an issue that affects every single um, side of this community. You don't have to be over. 65 or 70, or um, have a relative that was in the nursing home to be directly affected, or have worked at the nursing home to be directly affected by this. It is, it it will have effects on every single one of us, no matter where where we fall within that community. That's so correct. What and and we've kind of talked about this. So if we've already, if you feel like we've already answered this, that's fine. But um, what? work has been done so far by the task force. Because honestly, I just jumped in at the last meeting and I'm so excited about the work that's being done. I had to have you on the podcast, but if you can give me a little history before I jumped in, that would be great.
1: Yeah, well, there's not much. There was only one meeting before you jumped in. So okay, good. I'm so a, glad. I'm so glad. This is a super brand new task force. So people, you're hearing about it hot off the presses here. Um, it really does have those goals that I talked about earlier to try to learn and to try to identify how we can work as a town and a municipal government in support of nonprofits like island health and wellness and of your efforts and of the nursing home if they're still doing something and of just of the citizens needs right to advance the broader health of our community, so really partners with with everybody in figuring this out and and creating that atmosphere, like you just talked about, to to build community will and community consensus for what is it that we need and how do we want to get there together, um, and then interacting on the political level, as I said, and, and working. At the state level, because there's a lot of issues that trickle down to us from the state and that these are political issues and we have to not just think that they are like fate and they're going to happen to us, but that they are things that we can address through the political process and that we must address and that we must proactively address. So that's we've, we've basically been talking about those things like what are our what's yeah, our absolutely you know, what are our first priorities and how to how do we meet those needs and what research do we need to do and, you know, how do we go about this.
0: And again, I feel like our community is so good at this because we just did many of these same steps with the issue of substance use. Um, So the state was wanting to reduce the amount of overdoses and all of that, but the rules that they had in place for things like uh, um, carrying Naloxone and offering fentanyl testing strips uh, really limited the amount of work that we could do in the community without putting people at risk of like getting charged with drug paraphernalia and things like that. So it took a lot of work and and Genevieve McDonald was integral in this process of getting those laws changed to allow us to do the community work that needed to happen. And it happened. And now, you know, we're at the Blue Hill Fair this year, distributing fentanyl testing strips and naloxone in hundreds of doses um, to lines of people. So we know it can happen. And we know that this island is really good at advocating um, in addition to working really hard. So I I feel like we've got so many pluses um, in our toolkit and so many things on our side that um, even though these are big issues, I think if we tackle them as a group, we can make huge progress. Speaking of that though, how can the community as a whole support the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, um, because I think the pandemic really took a toll on our community conversations, you know, yeah. and on working collaboratively. Um, and that's why, you know, it's a shame that the nursing home, you know, the timing of it happened when it did, right? I mean, it's like a lot of other businesses and other areas that also dropped due to the pandemic, because not only did the pandemic hit them hard economically or labor-wise, it also prevented them from doing some of the collective work within their communities that might have shored them up, right? Yeah. And I think that's definitely true with the nursing home. So I I think that um, partly this is about coming out of the pandemic and and coming back together um, and using our community strengths collaboratively in the best ways that we can. I, I always say to everybody, you know. More brains at the table are better than one brain, you know, and yeah. 10 brains are better than seven brains. And, you know, so, so really the more people that are willing to step forward and have the conversations come to the public meetings. So we had over a hundred people for a meeting last week about the Causeway. Yeah. I mean, it was really quite thrilling and quite productive because that's exactly what we needed, right? It was to see a show of public support again, that public will, building that public will and building that consensus, that's how we get things done. That's how we make change. You know, you, until we have that, can't raise the money we need. Right. I right. mean, I mean right. that, that's, the causeway is a great example of that. Like until we have that show of public support, we can't get the kind of federal funding and the grants that we need. We can't get the political support we need. It's the same with all these issues. You know, until we have that community consensus. And they can see that it is the will of the community. What is the will of the community and why, and what is the need and how are we going to address that differently and how are we going to find those alternatives? Um, so, so I, I encourage people to contact me all the time. Um, you can post my cell phone number in, in big blinking letters. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like the call Joe thing, right? If you're in an accident, like call. Oh, right. Linda.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I um, will do that. Yeah.
1: And I have, you know, we have the econ dev at stoningtonmain.org email address. And, um, and, you know, we, we're very public about our meetings and, and people are welcome to join us and they're welcome to reach out. I actually get a lot of emails every day now from people like, Hey, did you see this article? Hey, did you see this? And I love that. I mean, that is what we need to be about. We need to be about collaborating, communicating, and all pitching in because these are huge challenges and it's not gonna happen with just a small group of people. It's only gonna happen with all of us together.
0: And that's, the, again, something else I love about this community is that we do have uh, a far reaching legs in, in different places. And I'm always telling, especially um, my supporters and and mentors who live here part of the year and live somewhere else part of the year to please keep me informed on what's going on in their other communities. Um, Because as communities, we are really facing very similar issues, um, especially in the healthcare world. And I love to hear about the creative ways that other communities are addressing it. And sometimes we can borrow some of those ideas and make them work here. Um, so we really, we just have an incredible knowledge base. Um, and I would also encourage people just to add to how they can support when these community assessments are happening, please participate. Um, and and I know that you have a million other things on your plate and that we're all super busy, but the results of these community assessments are what is gonna build the future of how things look for, for dear Al Stonington. And so it's really important that all of the voices are heard. And I mean, all of them, I, I, like I said, those stories that were shared bravely at that task force meeting blew me away. Um, and the more information that we can gather from our various organizations and provide to the towns, the more chance we have of building programs that are really needed and are really gonna work. So definitely community participation is important. Linda I've kept you longer than I intended to sorry um I know you're busy and you've got a million issues to deal with but I am going to ask you our standard end of podcast question which doesn't have it doesn't have to have anything to do with your job but it can I'm going to ask you what is bringing you joy right now
1: oh my goodness uh yeah, I, I did see that question before, but I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, so much is actually bringing me joy at the same time that so much is, is challenging, right? Like we talk about these challenges. And, you know, last week we had this real week here on the island with the news about the fishing regulations and the news that the INH bed licenses were sold. And it was like, it just all felt like it was coming like one thing after another. And um, But it's fall, it's September on the island. It's the most beautiful month um I still have been swimming so maybe that's Ah. like a happy outcome of climate change I'm not sure exactly what that's but it's 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 the salt water gives me so much joy being in being in the cove here and uh, as you and I were discussing earlier I've got this 15 month old Aussie doodle puppy so um there's and that's just a small list I mean there are many many things that bring me joy and uh thanks for asking that
0: that's perfect. That is exactly the way I love to end this task force. I mean, not the task force, the podcast, because we are all doing really hard work and um, it's important to remember the little pieces and sometimes big pieces of joy that, that we really all have and how lucky we are to live where we are, where we do live. And um, Linda, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I look forward to continuing to work very closely with you and, um, from the healthcare side of things. And I'm really appreciate appreciative that this work is going forward because it's so needed. So I will let you get back to it. Your list, I'm sure, is endless. Um, but we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you, Anne. I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate all of your listeners out there who want to participate in some way.
0: Thanks. We are be, we are we are a community of action. So we'll be there. Thanks.